This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. More teacher strikes are planned in Ontario for this week with no new talks planned between unions and provincial representatives. There's a province-wide strike by public elementary teachers tomorrow, plus another strike the following day that affects some boards, including the Toronto District School Board. Classes will be cancelled for high school students in nine districts on Thursday as members of the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation plan a one-day walkout, and teachers in the French language system are planning also a province-wide strike for Thursday. So, how much more of this should we expect, and what will it take to break the logjam? I'd like to welcome Harvey Bischoff, President of the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation. Hello, and thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, so uh, no new talks planned. Why is that? Uh, we're in the hands of the mediator. Um, we have an expert and experienced mediator who is uh, monitoring the situation. I guess when she thinks that there's a prospect for productive talks, uh, she'll invite us back to the table and we'll certainly uh, take that invitation positively. But so far, she hasn't made that invitation. Now, y- you or, uh, and other union people have said that there's no danger to the school year so far, but we're seeing a situation where for some kids it's, it's been two days a week plus PD days. Uh, at what point will it become a danger to the school year? Yeah, so I mean, you couldn't really include PD, day, PD days, which happen, you know, regularly several times throughout the school year as part of uh, as part of any uh, any consideration in terms of risk to the school year. For my union, our action has touched students uh, once a month. Um, they've been rotating strikes involving a quarter of the province each week, so once per month, uh, students are affected by OSSTF action. And when you spread that out over the course of the year, I mean, certainly we've had years where students have lost more. Uh, days to, you know, inclement weather than, than to our action. And I'm, in saying that, I don't minimize that it has an impact on students and families. We're aware of that. Um, certainly, uh, as a parent myself, I get that. I'm just saying that our action compared to the cuts this government is imposing uh, is, uh, you know, minor compared to the damage that the Ford government will do. Okay. Now, here's something that I'm hearing from a lot of quarters, and and, uh, I know that you you may say, oh, we don't negotiate over the airwaves, but there are some people are saying, okay, the unions say this is not about money. If that is the case, why wouldn't you come out and say, okay, then we will take the 1% that the Ford government says they won't budge on if you budge on the issues of class size and online learning? Well, these are exactly matters to be dealt with at the bargaining table. That's that's uh, that's where the, that discussion should happen. Um, and at the same time, I haven't heard the government say, you know, we're going to move on their erosion of uh, of uh, you know the number of education workers and teachers in the system. Their uh, their uh, 
implementation of a mandatory Alabama-style e-learning program. I haven't heard them come out and say that. And in fact, we've made the offer repeatedly to postpone our strike action completely if they will simply commit to last year's education worker and teacher staffing ratios um, and leave everything else to the bargaining table, and they have refused out of hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also going to court to contest that 1% cap on wages, correct? That's right. We have uh, good reason to believe that it's unconstitutional. My members have the right to negotiations under the Charter. Um, we've seen uh, governments violate the Charter in the past and, and uh, have the courts overturn their uh, decisions, and we believe that we're uh, almost certainly in the same boat this time. But doesn't that undermine the claim that it's not, a, not about money? No, no, it doesn't. In fact, what it says is that these are matters that should be bargained and the government shouldn't restrict the creativity that's meant to happen at the bargaining table by uh, implementing legislation that's a violation of my members' charter rights. So, you know, us moving to, let's say, accepting 1% uh, is hardly a move when the government has legislated it in advance. And so, you know, it, it that reinforces my point. They've restricted the latitude for negotiations. They, they, you know, they built this little box for themselves through their own uh, public statements, their own unilateral uh, moves and through legislation. And then they claim that there's, you know, or complain that there's no room to maneuver, but they built this little box themselves that created these problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, what about uh, legis- getting legislated back to work? I think there are a growing number of people who are in favor of that. Uh, what's your view of that eventuality? Well, I mean, for people who are in favor of that, um, I, I understand the short-term uh, satisfaction it might bring in terms of uh, seemingly eliminating disruption. But in fact, what it would really do is prevent my members from fighting to maintain the quality of education we were able to deliver just last year. Um, so, so legislation is a short-term solution. The best, uh, most stable uh resolutions occur from uh, a a freely negotiated collective agreement um, and taking from my members the ability to resist the Ford government's education agenda, which is overwhelmingly rejected by the public and by parents, by the way, um, in the long run is not going to serve anybody well, not our current students, not Ontario's future economy. So what will it take to break the logjam? Well, I think it'll take a government finally listening to the very parents that they consulted. So they, they consulted tens of thousands of parents, biggest con- consultation ever, they claim. Um, they tried to keep that consultation secret. It was leaked. Uh, it showed us that overwhelmingly parents reject bigger class sizes, mandatory e-learning, loss of education workers in the system who support uh, high needs and at-risk students. Um, and so there's a path to a deal, but it runs right through what parents have already told them and which they have so far ignored. And how important, uh, as a final question, is this seniority issue? Sam Hammond of the elementary teacher said that uh, they were close to a deal, but the province wanted to change that. So no deal. Yeah, so, so uh, a transparent bargaining process um, that doesn't support the kind of uh, nepotism in hiring that we saw before um, is important to us. Uh, we think it's good for it's good for the education system. And the fact that the minister has started to focus on this now and completely mischaracterized it in the media, either because he doesn't understand it or because he wants to inflame the situation further or potentially both, um, is entirely helpful, unhelpful rather. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's time he got off that track as well. 
I get a lot of calls here, frankly, from people who complain that because of that seniority rule, younger teacher can't, younger teachers can't even get hired as supply teachers and, and kind of start their careers. What do you say to that? Well, it, it, I mean, it, it simply isn't accurate. So, so um, the boards, school boards have sole discretion on who gets uh, onto the list of day-to-day supply teachers. They then have sole discretion on who moves from that list onto the, onto the shorter list of those eligible to do long-term occasional work, so covering, for example, for a pregnancy uh, leave. Um, and it's only after that that um, first qualifications and then uh, seniority have some effect. And even when we say seniority, it's the top five people who get interviewed. Um, and if out of those the board doesn't find a suitable person, they can move on. Um, so, you know, the, the characterizations of the regulation are inaccurate uh, and, and, you know, again, not helpful at the time. Okay. Harvey Bischoff, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, a new poll finds the province losing ground to the teachers in the battle over public relations. According to the DART Maru Blue Poll, 63% of us believe the teachers that this dispute is not about money, but rather about increased class sizes and online courses. So what do you think? Who do you believe? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Right now, let's go to John Wright, a pollster and partner at DART. Hi, John. Hi, Libby. So did this surprise you that the province is losing ground? I wasn't sure what I would get because we did the first um, poll on December the 3rd and reported it the next day. And what we found in that were two things, uh, three things. One was the government had about 25% to 30%, but mainly around 25%. For every measure that we looked at when people were supporting the message or supporting them and what they wanted to do, we had roughly, you know, a third, 32, 33% or so, who were um, looking at the teachers and totally with them. So you had this split, and then you had the you know, people who basically said neither. And what has happened is that those people who blamed both sides in terms of, you know, making this um, uh, a debate over certain items have moved more to the teacher side. So we're getting now much higher amounts, despite the fact that the minister has gone out with, uh, you know, talking about that this is about wages. What we're now finding is that those people who were kind of on the sidelines have come out and they're now standing uh, firmly with the teachers. Okay, so there are... Uh, a majority of people, 58%, that want the government to use back-to-work legislation if a full-blown strike breaks out. Um, Again, we just heard from Harvey Bishop. He's he's not keen on that. Well, you know, you can't predict what's going to happen, but you basically know that the public was okay from the polling. The public was okay with occasional strike uh, methods. So the union, if they read the poll, were smart enough to say, well, we're going to draw a line. We'll do some intermittent uh, strikes in different places, but we're not going to cross that line. And that's exactly what you heard, and that's in line with the numbers. However, the biggest number is that 78% of people in the province want an independent uh, arbitrator to take this and 
deal with it. No one believes that the two parties at this stage have any ground to uh, make a persuasive argument. The teachers have strengthened their hand, but avail. So, you know, last month we had 77, or in December we had 77% who said, let's get this to an arbitrator and have them sorted out. This, this month we had 78. So no one's changing their position on that. Well, and it's interesting, you know, usually, uh, historically, when an arbitrator comes in, the settlements get higher. So I'm assuming that's why the province is not keen on jumping on that one. You know what? I don't know what it would look like. All I know from public opinion is the following. Number one, the government hasn't made any ground in this debate. I mean, the minister may be a great communicator, uh, may be out there all the time. And, and they have maybe made some concessions, but the public hasn't moved anywhere for support for the government. Two-thirds of those that we've talked to essentially say this is about the school uh, issues as opposed to the money issues. And people want to get it over with because they see that both sides are intransigent. So, I mean, from the public's point of view, most people have sided with the teachers but equally, these you know, the government and the teachers are being um, asked through the public will to solve this and stop it and get it to an independent person to do it because it, it seems like there's no ground at all that's going to give on either side. Okay, and interesting to me, in your question, who's being fair and reasonable, the teachers get 42%, that's up 11% from December, 30% say neither side, and only 25% say the government. Yeah, and that's consistent. Uh, First of all, is the number for the government. If you look through that, Libby, you'll see that it's roughly 25 to 30%, but that 25 doesn't move. One could suggest that that's the core conservative vote in this province and that, you know, the government would have to make up ground anyways. I look at the popularity of premiers across this country, and the last time I checked, Mr. Ford was sitting at probably 26 or 7 percent. So it's not far off what they're dealing with. As I said, the public actually takes some time to digest the arguments. They see the implications of strikes. They come to a deliberative judgment after two or three months on what should be done, and they're essentially saying this will not be solved, except if the unions cross over the line, the government should move them back into the classroom. So that line, you know, if it gets crossed by the unions, you know, will trigger some other public response. Okay, let's take a call from Darko in Etobicoke. Hi, Darko. Yeah, I know maybe it's something that they discuss when they're in negotiations, but that 1% to 2% has never been, like 1% has never been accepted to say, we're, if it's not about the money, we'll take the 1%, but we want we want these concessions. Why is it used as a bargaining chip? If it's not, I mean, like, you know, I, I, I don't understand that. And the other, other thing is, you know, when they, are they calculating maximum class size 23? Because like I said, when I went to school, it was all 29, 30, 31, 32. Yep. So I, I don't know if it's an average size that they're dealing with, if some classes are over or not. I don't, I don't know. Because there's a lot of a, a great talk, I call it, right, where you don't really know what's going on uh, totally. And, and so as a public, we, we are not like sort of full, of, uh, full information as to exactly what's going on in terms of class sizes. Darko, what I'm taking from your comments is that you uh, believe the government, not the teachers. Is that right? Well, I don't think the government... Based on the, the 1%, what the deals they made, it's going to cost us a lot. And, and we have to 
you know, come to a conclusion, but, but we have a big fiscal issue here in Ontario, so we do have a money issue. So, you know, if it, and that I see it as the teachers are like, well, so what? Who cares? Not my problem. Okay. You know, I, I'll take that as problem. a yes. Darko, Thank thanks for your call. And John, I found this interesting that when people were asked who is acting in the best interests of parents and students, the teachers unions were up. They had 45% support and that's up 8% from December. 39% said neither side and only 18% said the government. Again, did that surprise you? Well, yeah, it did. Given the fact that the minister clearly has been out and everywhere, um, television, radio, um, who's been having the line that this is all about the students and we should get them back into the classroom. Um, so it hasn't had an impact. In fact, what's happened there is that people who said neither are representing the uh, students have actually, since December, moved over to the uh, the teacher's side of their argument. Uh, Libby, I think that the biggest problem that the government has had from the outset is that, you know, if you remember right after they got into power, they exercised a number of changes unilaterally to the classrooms. Everybody heard about it. Everybody knew what the government had done. Um, and, and the problem is you never get a second chance to make a first impression. So, you know, despite the fact that they're trying, the government is trying to kind of model this over certain things, the public after a couple of months of this are not, um, don't see it the government's way. Secondly, they just see this as a war of attrition, uh, you know, just wearing out each side. But to what end? And I think people just want to get this finished, want to see people at the table to bargain this thing out, um, or get the government to rule them back. I think there would even be support for that. But they, they want to get beyond just listening to rhetoric day after day after day. Yeah, I know. I, I've got to agree. That is pretty exhausting. Let's hear from Seymour in Aurora. Hi, Seymour. Hi, good afternoon. How are you? Fine. How are you? I, I am well, thank you. Now, I, I just wish to express the perspective that, first of all, I'm not a conservative. I don't, I would not vote for Doug Ford. But I think in this particular issue, I think the government deserves more latitude than, than they're being given. Uh, you know, I, I, I see it as, you know, the government being the, being the employer and for the employees, meaning the, the, the teachers and their unions, to be taking a strong position as they have taken, you know, in opposition to what the government wants to do. I don't think that's really correct. And I want to express to you that I really think that money is a big issue for the teachers and the unions, even though they have stated the contrary. But, you know, I just think this whole thing is being drawn out far too long and and to the clear disadvantage of the students. And I think the government should be looking at, you know, bringing an end to it all. Okay. But, but I think, you know... Is the education portfolio is a very expensive one, and we all know that there's a money constraint situation, and so you know something like you know teacher-student ratio. I, I think it's okay to up the ratio a little bit. Okay, Seymour, thank you very much for that. Uh, yeah, I think Seymour is on the same page, John, as what you've been saying. People just want this thing to end. Yeah, I think if 
I were in the government looking at this poll back in December, my target would have been, you know, a third of the public to get this message to that this is what this is about. And politics is about public equity, finding people to support your side. So you start off, and you're also really smart because you say to the parents, look, if they go on strike, we'll just use the money and we'll pay you. You get on every television and radio show. You, you make sure that people hear your message. And then you take a poll a couple months later after all of that work, and what you find is you don't have any ground taken. It's done. I mean, you're looking at basically for the government what you had before, and you're looking at the strengthened hand of the union. So you have to make a political decision about how long this has gone on. I remember Dave Johnson under the uh, Harris regime, and there were troubles with teachers then. But Dave Johnson had 56% support, because I did a polling, on his position with the teachers. And he, in fact, entered into the lexicon by inventing the phrase uh, fair and reasonable. He used that all the time. So that's back many years ago, but the government had almost half the public on side with it. Here, they have a quarter of the public. It hasn't grown. So you have to sit down at the political table and say, this is not working. We've got to do something. And we're the government, so we have to solve something. We've got the levers to do it. Did you measure at all the impact of offering parents money uh, no. to compensate for their child care expenses? No, we didn't. Um, you know, I, what I basically did was take the exact questionnaire that we'd done in December and just replicated it, so didn't add anything else to it. But, again, you would expect that if the government were doing these things, that you would have movement towards them. So there's an inference here that, again, everything that's being done, the rhetoric, uh, the publicity, the relabeling it, uh, giving the parents money. It really hasn't got any further than the first actions that they took when they came to office to alter, you know, the education system. It, nothing's really changed. So I think, again, the government was smart to hand out money to people, but it hasn't really benefited the government or the politics of it at all. Okay, we're basically out of time. John, 20 seconds. What would you like to leave us with? Well, just what 78% of the people say. And that is, if this is going to be an intransigent battle, we need somebody to take it and make a decision. Okay. John Wright, pollster and a partner at DART. Thank you so much for being with us. It's my pleasure. Okay. And that is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.